Our scripture for today is taken from the book of Luke, the 23rd chapter, verses 32 through 43. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that was called the skull, they crucified Jesus. There with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was also an inscription up over him that read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who was hanging there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourselves and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said to him, Oh, then, they, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Finish off this sentence for me. When the tough get, oh, when the going gets tough, I screwed it up. When the going gets tough, oh, good job. I heard people in here. I'm sure I heard you too in your house. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. That's the quote, right? That's the sentiment that we're taught. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And considering none of us are really going anywhere, we're no getting going these days. Stay at home, stay safe, right? Stay at home, protect your community. We can't much get going these days. I went to the interwebs and I found some alternatives for us, some alternative quotes that we might enjoy this morning. How about this? When the going gets tough, the tough reinvent. Eh, that's not bad. That's from RuPaul. All right, well, wisdom from RuPaul this morning. Uh, we've been doing a lot of that these last few weeks, haven't we? Reinventing. Or how about this? When the tough, when the going gets tough, the tough get a librarian. That one's odd, I know. But both my parents have library science degrees, so I really liked it. When the going gets tough, the tough make cookies. Yes, that's right. I made chocolate chip cookies this week, and I will tell you, they helped. So if you haven't made cookies yet, you might try that this week. When the going gets tough, the tough take a nap. That one requires no more explanation, right? This week, the realization really set in for me that we're at the start of a long haul. 
Now, I knew two weeks ago that we were going to have at least eight Sundays of worship only online, but these last few days, I have felt much more keenly what it's going to be like for us not to be together for that length of time, and it makes me sad. It just does. I miss you. Maybe this has been happening to you, too. At one moment, I'm feeling, you know, this is tolerable. I've got what I need. I'm grateful for my home, my safe home, my work, my people. And then an hour later, I'm saying, this is terrible. <laughs> Look at everything we've had to give up. Look at all we're missing. And I go back and forth and all the places in between. And then I check in with the news, and I see how fast the numbers are going up of sick people and how fast the death count is going up and it's painful and it's worrying to me every day and we're in the middle of some tough right now and we know that the hardest part for our country is not even come yet so let me just say out loud I just feel like I need to say this pastoral privilege if you aren't yet drastically limiting your movements to home office and getting food uh, if you're still gathering together with friends and you're, or you're just going shopping because you're bored in your house, would you please stop? Not only are you safer if you're at home, but your neighbors are safer. Your whole community is safer. Everyone is safer if you stay home. And I get that it's not fun, and I get that it's hard to shut down life for a month like this, but if we do it together, if we do it together, Papillion and Omaha, then we can keep our city from being the next hot spot that's in the news. Okay, end of public service announcement. I just felt like I needed to say it out loud. I'm sure that the vast majority of you are tucked in safe in your homes and that you plan to be that way for the duration, but I went for a run on Friday outside and I saw a whole lot of traffic in Papillion and I don't think everybody was going to the grocery store. So we are here in the midst of something tough. And we've all been feeling the hardness of life in a new way. We've been feeling the fragility of life in a new way. This tiny virus, this string of genetic code has brought our big, fancy, technologically filled world down to its knees. And it happened to us in the blink of an eye. And though this is all of ours first pandemic, and we haven't done this before, it's not actually our first time being in the midst of something tough, is it? And it's not going to be the last. So when the going gets tough, could we say today the tough turn to Jesus? That's what the scripture that Denny just read for us suggests that we do. And this scripture happens in the midst of the most extreme circumstance. It's, it's this moment near the very end of the Gospel of Luke. We see someone turn his heart fully toward Jesus and return he's given hope and comfort, and assurance, and the best second chance that we could ever hope to get. Now, if you've been worshiping with us for the last few weeks, you know that we're spending our Lenten season learning together about how our God is a God of second chances. And we've seen this powerfully already in the stories of Moses and David, Moses the murderer, David the adulterer, Zac Zacchaeus the cheat, Peter the betrayer, Today, we encounter another story that shows us the revolutionary power of God's second chance. Now, we don't know the guy's name in this story. We actually, we don't know anything about him at all, except for that he was a criminal. That's why he was being crucified alongside Jesus. Crucifixion in the Roman world was pretty much reserved for political criminals, those who opposed or undermined the government in some way. So even though Christian tradition likes to call this guy a thief, more than likely he had done something to threaten the government 
of Rome, something that had threatened their power. And so he wound up on a cross next to Jesus. Whatever he did, he admits that he's guilty. He makes it clear that both he and the man on the other side of Jesus, hanging on another cross, are guilty of their crimes and that they deserve punishment. The other man, the one on the other side of Jesus, he is full of anger and he's full of fear, which, I mean, I can understand that. Who wouldn't be when you're experiencing your own death surrounded by a crowd of people watching? But that man, he, he took his anger and his fear and he joined with the crowd that were around them in taunting Jesus. He, he asked for Jesus' help, but he did it with a sneer. Remember what he said, are you not the Messiah? Save us and yourself. Those are not words of faith. Those are words of pain. Those are words of anger. But the other man, the first man, his tone was different. His tone was repentant. His tone was hopeful. His tone was sincere. He calls Jesus by name. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, you might remember that as Jesus hung on the cross, above his head was a sign that said, King of the Jews. And the man on one side of him saw that as an insult. But the first man, the man on the other side, he saw it as a promise. And in response to that promise, he asked for Jesus' help. And because of his faith, the faith shown by that criminal, the one who asked to be remembered, Jesus said, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. That's quite a promise. I wonder, do you think that it meant the man died in peace? His death was painful, no doubt. Crucifixion was designed to be horrific, but was his heart calmed by those words of Jesus? Was his spirit at all soothed? I, I like to think so. I like to hope so. That in those final hours as they hung there together, suffering on the cross, that the power of faith that had helped that man turn toward Jesus, that faith brought him comfort and reassurance even as he died. Now, this is a stark story. Here we are in the latter part of Lent, and we're moving into a part of the gospel story and a part of the church calendar that's full of stark and hard stories. And as we draw nearer to the celebration of Easter, nearer to that message of the glorious resurrection, we have to first go through these painful moments, these real moments, these moments that are true to human life but hard to swallow at the same time. You know, resurrection always comes after tragedy. Resurrection comes after the hardest, the darkest, the most painful experiences. The scripture is clear about that. But even though it's a hard moment, this scene of the three men on their crosses, it's a terribly hard moment, it's still a story of second chances. Today, what I want us to hold on to is that this criminal's plea of faith and Jesus' promise of paradise, it's a reminder to us that sometimes the second chance that God gives us doesn't happen in this lifetime. You know, in all the other stories that we've talked about over these last weeks, we have seen someone who made a horrible choice, or they walked down the wrong path, or they turned away from God, and we've seen them repent, we've seen them turn back toward God, and we've seen them receive God's gracious second chance. It happened with Moses and with David and with Zacchaeus and Peter. 
And after receiving God's mercy, God's invitation to start anew, all of these men, they went on to do beautiful and powerful things to God's glory. But not this criminal. He didn't have any time left. He was in his final hours before he finally repented, before he finally turned to Jesus for help. And and Jesus didn't even try to offer him a second chance here in this life. Jesus didn't promise to take him down off the cross. Jesus didn't promise to get his sentence reversed from the Roman government, that he would get a pardon. Jesus didn't offer any way for this criminal to rewrite his story on the earth. No way for him to make amends. But the man still got a second chance. He still got a second chance to live in love, to live in God's mercy. It just wasn't in this lifetime. Sometimes God's second chance doesn't happen in this lifetime. Sometimes the mercy and grace we receive from God doesn't come until after this life has ended. And the truth is, that's really good news for us personally. For us to know that it's never too late to walk into God's love and light, it's never too late, it's never too late for us to walk into God's love and light. It's good news for us, but it's also really, really good news if you have ever had to say goodbye to someone with whom you were not reconciled. If you've ever buried someone with a lot of unanswered questions, If you've ever had to say goodbye to someone with things unsaid or apologies not given or wounds unhealed, then feel today the power of this promise, the strength of this story reminding us that the end of life does not mean the end of God's second chance. Feel the importance of knowing that even at death, Jesus stands ready to offer us a second chance to live into God's kingdom. Hopefully, few of us, if any of us, are going to be in the position of this criminal, turning to God only in the last moments of of our lives, relying on God's mercy that goes beyond this life into the life beyond. But even if our story is not the criminal's story, I think that this moment of God's second chance offers us today a word of hope and a word of encouragement. Because this story is also a reminder to us that this world with its pains, with its trials, this world with its fragility, with its uncertainty, this world with its illness, with its loss, this is not our forever. This is not our end. Jesus promises the criminal a place in paradise with him, and Jesus promises us the same thing. It's in Hebrews chapter 11 that we read, faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. And this is true in a whole lot of ways, and and we're asked to have faith in all kinds of things that we can't yet see, including and perhaps more, most importantly, a future with God that has no end. And we can grasp tightly to that. When we can hold on to that promise of Jesus, of life with him forever, it actually becomes an incredible source of strength for us here and now. It gives us fuel, it gives us perseverance, even in our hard, hard moments. Jesus' promises are trustworthy and true. Jesus offers paradise to the criminal hanging beside him on the cross, and he offers the same to us. And when we hold on to that promise, it can be the most beautiful, beautiful thing. A little over a year ago, I got to see the beauty of a faith like that 
holding tightly to Jesus' promises in a way that just, it took my breath away. I had a church member who was dying of lung cancer. And he'd received the diagnosis a few months earlier, and from the start, it was bad. He had tried a few rounds of chemo, and they were awful. And before long, he made the decision to just stop treatment. And he wanted to live his final months as peacefully as he could. Now, Jim was an incredibly private man. He, he didn't want to talk very much to his friends about his illness. He didn't want to talk very much to me. As he got weaker, he had to stop coming to church. This man who had counted the offering after worship every day for probably 30 years, he really, he couldn't leave the house much at all. And eventually he asked me to come over with communion one day and he said, you don't realize how important something is until you don't have it. I think we could all agree with that sentiment right now. Well, Jim continued to fail, eventually getting to the place where he couldn't even sit in a recliner in his living room anymore. He had to just stay in the hospital bed that they had brought into the guest room of his home. Hospice came to attend to his care, and and we all knew it was a matter of weeks, not months. I got to be with Jim a few hours before he died. And just before I got there, he had received some drugs from the hospice nurse to help him be more comfortable. And his, his family told me he might be a little bit out of it when you go in there. We just didn't know. So his wife and I entered the room, and he was there. He was looking all around. He was looking up at the ceiling. He was looking over at the wall. And we couldn't really tell who or what he was looking for. I tried to ask him a few questions, and he didn't really answer me. So we sat there in the quiet for a few moments, the only sound in the room, his labored breathing. And I asked Jim if I could pray for him. It was then that he looked at me and he said, yes. So I took his hand and I invited his wife to come over and touch him as well and I prayed. And when I said, amen, Jim opened up his eyes and he looked me square in the face and he said, what happens next? I was kind of caught off guard by his question. I I fumbled around for an answer. I said something like, well, your body's going to continue to grow weaker and your breathing will change and it could take a few days or or a week. We don't really know these things take their own time and the hospice people will give you medicine to keep you comfortable and make sure there's no pain. He didn't say anything back. He just looked away. And so after a moment, I said, well, what do you think happens next, Jim? And instantly he looked at me and he said, well, I hope I get to see Jesus. Um, after I caught my breath, I squeezed his hand and I said, I feel completely certain that's going to happen. I have no doubt. And then I said, Jim, are you scared? And he said, no, never have been. Never have been. Even now, his words of faith reassure me. They help me to take a deep breath in the midst of a world turned upside down. They remind me of the promises that we have that far outlast the tumult of this world. I hope I get to see Jesus. I have no doubt about that for the criminal on the cross, for Jim, for me. For you. This will be our inheritance. One day it will be our joy. Yesterday I had a friend send me a photo she'd taken on her farm near Springfield. 
It's a moment that must have happened just after those flash thunderstorms that came through here late in the afternoon. If you live in Papillion, I'm sure you saw the sky just open up and rain come falling down. And she said that the strong wind that we had on Friday night had blown away a grain bin and lots of other things around on their farm. And then in the afternoon, there was that rain and that thunder and lightning. And then this, a double rainbow a moment of blessing from God, a small gift of reassurance that God is with us, God is comforting us, God is never gonna leave us, not now, not forever. Hebrews says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It also reminds us in that same chapter that therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. So what I pray for you this week is perseverance. Perseverance, as we live through another week of physical distancing, of isolation, of difficult news, I pray for your perseverance in faith, in love, and in hope. As we remove more plans for our calendars and figure out how to care for one another in these difficult days, I wish for you perseverance, born of faith, a faith that invites us to start each day anew in trust of God's promises. Thanks be to God. Amen.